HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Springer Mountain Farms. Over 300 family farms raising birds in Georgia's Blue Ridge Mountains. Learn more at springermountainfarms.com. Welcome back to Heritage Radio Network on Tour. We are broadcasting today from Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm your host, Katie Mosman-Wadler. And I'm Kat Johnson. Tonight we are at Luca Modern Italian Kitchen with the chef and owner Luca and Jessica Annunziata. Thank you, guys. Ciao, buonasera. Buonasera. <laughs> so um, we have a lot of things to talk to you about tonight. Um, primarily, I want to start with um, this, your love story and your history of how you came to be operating Luca in Charlotte. So how did you two meet, first of all, and then tell us about how you went into business? Well, me and Jessica, we met um, in New York, Long Island, actually a small island off Long Island, Far Island. Um, we met there. I was the chef. She was the waitress. Uh, it was f- first love. Uh, she told me she was Italian, so I was excited. And I started <laughs> to speak Italian. And then she said, uh, I just speak a little bit. And I was keep speaking, speaking. And, and that's the way we started. And we've been together since then. Wow. Uh, we moved from New York about 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we came down to the south and we just fell in love. Um, as you can hear from well, my ex... Ac- back to Italy. You're, you're leaving out a few things. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So we, we, we started in, in Long Island. And then after a couple of years, right, right after September 11, we moved back to Italy for a little bit over a year where I worked at um, Don Alfonso to start Michelin. I did that for a year. And then after that... Uh, we came back to the United States and we came down to the south. Um, I was born and raised in, in south Italy and we thought why not move down south where the weather and the four season and the people are just you know, just wonderful and we really enjoyed it here. Had you spent time in the south before or in North Carolina, either of you? Mm, no. The only time Jessica did was um, she came over weekend to scoop the Charlotte and see, you know, to look for, uh, you know, because we wanted to move from New York. 
Um, so she came over weekend and she really fell in love. And then when she came back, she says, okay, that's it. We're moving next week. <laughs> and I was like, okay, uh, uh, but we don't have no job. We don't have nothing. Uh, he says, it's okay, honey. We, we got a little bit of money. We're going to be okay. Let's go. So we packed and left. Just like that. Just like that. And um, we came. It was hard for me the first three months. Um, Jessica found a job right away. And it took me about three months, three and a half months to find a job because I was overqualified for each position that I went and apply. So... It was too expensive. Right. And um, it, situation got a little bit... Uh, critical, like, you know, we was, we were about run out of money. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go back to New York for a couple of weeks to try to make some money and then come back. And then finally I had I had find a job. And that's the way that we started it. So first job in Charlotte, I was uh, the sous chef at the Hilton. Um, and then I was the um, chef de cuisine at the Western. And then about 12 12 years ago, we opened up our first restaurant called Passion 8 Bistro in Fort Mill, South Carolina. And we did that for eight years. And then about three years ago, we moved to Charlotte. And and about three months ago, uh, we did a something called rebrand where... <laughs> Jessica and myself decided finally to to do something that came spontaneous for us um, and was cooking Italian food because I am Italian and I just wanted to cook from my heart. This is cooking Italian for me. It's cooking spontaneously. so easy, good ingredients, uh, made with love and... Um, and Jessica helped me out. <laughs> um, I think they, we had ta- once we hit our 10th anniversary, we were ready for something new and exciting, and it was time for a shift. And the Italian thing, our clientele always knew that we would make, you know, dishes at a moment's notice, a lot of, you know, special requests. So it got to the point where, you know, about two years ago, a good portion of our regular diners were not eating off the regular menu. Wow. And it just felt, you know, it was really exciting that they entrusted us to make these dishes that they loved. Um, But it was also, you know, really a challenge because everybody was asking for specific things. So I just felt that it was time to that we needed to explore this. And in Charlotte here, we felt that there was really no other authentic Mediterranean restaurants doing beautiful, very simple ingredients, elevated Italian food. And we felt, you know, why not? Why not us? Mm-hmm. Why aren't we showcasing what we do? As far as I'm concerned, no one does it better than Luca. Um, but there was a reluctancy. We were afraid that they were going to want the Olive Garden. This is the South. This is, you know, it's a little bit different. And, and the understanding that, you know, pasta is a four-ounce portion. 
and not a platter mm-hmm. <laughs> was a little scary for us. And what has the reaction been? Since? It's been tremendous. It's 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 been you know the writing is on the wall. This is what we should have done a very long time ago. Um, it's easy and simple and beautiful food, and people are really excited. And so, in a way, though your your clientele at Passionate told you that they wanted Luca's kind of hometown cooking all along. All along. And our parents, you know, my parents especially have always, especially my father, why aren't you, this is who you are. This is what you do. This is, this is what we eat at home. Why, why aren't you cooking this food? I, I don't understand. And we just felt that it was time at, you know, 12 years ago, really proud of how instrumental Luca was on, you know, the farm to fork movement here in Charlotte and bridging agriculture and, you know, and the consumer. And that's something that we're really, really proud of. Um, You know, still even to this day, the connections and the relationships that, you know, we've gotten to cultivate have made us who we are. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why it's exciting to, to do what we do. It really is a showcase of ingredients. So... Uh, but this was this was I don't know. At this time in our lives, we felt that it shouldn't be so complicated. This is exactly what we should do, and the menu and all of the ideas and there is an enthusiasm and an emotional connection to many of these dishes in a way that you know I can't even articulate. A lot of these recipes are his mom's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to ask Luca you more about that. Um, you you were just telling us that your father was a butcher. Um, Tell us more about the influence of, you know, your childhood in growing up in Italy and how that, how we see that on the menu. Well, uh, growing up, I mean, like, even if my father was a butcher, we never had filet mignon. I mean, like, <laughs> we had brain, uh, tail, uh, we had the heart, the liver, so... That was for the customers. You know, the... The, the, the customers got the filet Right. So we were just allowed to have whatever the customer did not eat. So we grew up with peasant food, we eat tribe, we eat brain. Uh, I mean, like, and uh, I mean, like, and my mom every day, she never cooked the same thing. She always had. Um, I mean, like, she, God bless her. I miss her every day. But you know, I learned so much from her that um, inspired me. You know, my house, we never bought a pasta from the box. We always made our pasta. I mean, like, on Sunday, it was a lasagna, or it was bolognese, or it was gnocchi. I mean, like, that was, we grew up with that. Genovese was at least a couple times a week, you know, and just the simplicity, but the flavor. Mm-hmm. And that's... You know, that's what's really missing, you know, what was missing before. Yeah, the presentation was beautiful, the, the, the produce, everything was gorgeous. But in the end, you know, I wanted, I wanted more flavor. And cooking Italian food, it gives me lots of flavor. So after you've made the rebrand, what was the first moment where you felt really sure that this was the right move and that you felt confident in the decision to, to turn this into Luca? modern Italian kitchen. He's 
things again. Right. I'm happy. In the kitchen. I am happy. Truly. I am happy. Like, you know, cook, making gnocchi, and it brings me back the memory of my mother. Making that pomodoro sauce with the San Marzano and the passat and the cherry tomato, it keeps, it brings me back everything that I grew up with. And, um, and, and the face of the people eating Italian food is just amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of people, oh my God, my grandmother used to do that. You know, zucchini blossoms. Oh, my God. You know, it's been a while since I had them. You know, and and octopus. And, you know, it's just all memories that makes people happy. A comfortable food, you know. Uh, Jessica, will you tell us more about Luca singing in the kitchen? (laughs) I always thought he had a beautiful voice. But it, it really is true. We at our old restaurant and in, in our old location, we had our entire kitchen, you know, set up for, for any kind of music that he wanted to hear. And there was always music playing in the kitchen, and we would sing. And when we made the move to Charlotte three years ago, um, and you know, our, our restaurant—it's absolutely beautiful, but it's it's a behemoth. It's it's a large big space and I feel we were a little bit sidetracked it was we were it was always an aim to please we wanted to make sure that we cooked and prepared beautiful food always that was always the mission but we started to listen to too many outside opinions and forces and and it it became a little confusing and loud for us. We didn't know who we were. We, we somewhat lost our identity in, in trying to do too much and be too thought-provoking and create these, you know, non-food foams and jellies and things that people have a hard time identifying with. And there's a place for that, you know, haute, eloquent, beautiful cuisine. And, you know, there's definitely people that you know we admire in the food scene that are doing those things but that's not what the lay people want that's not what you know before we were an occasion destination it was anniversaries and birthdays and now it's let's go eat the food is welcoming it's easy it's accessible and it's it's simplistic so you use the word identity and i think that's interesting because clearly a lot of what Luca is about now is the Italian identity and that's the food you're cooking but we're also in Charlotte so how does um, the location of the restaurant play into the identity of the menu and of the restaurant as a whole it's no longer you know it's it's from within not from without and I, and I feel that's why we are doing the best food we've ever done and you know, the way that the menu is designed, we have regionally specific representations that we have not altered in any way. Those dishes are the way they're intended. Whether you're dining here on Elizabeth Avenue or in Venezia, that's the dish. However, that's a very small section of our menu. The rest of the menu is Luca's interpretation. So it's twists and plays on classic dishes. And I really feel that, you know, the reason that we've become, you know, so much more um, successful in the last few weeks and months is that 
it's no longer about everyone's idea of who we should be. It's a connection to who we are and have always been. And it's, you know, we get to pay homage to, you know, my mother-in-law and, you know, my grandmothers. And there's a reason the food is so good and it's generational because it's delicious and it's simple. Is there a play between the uh, Italian-American food that you grew up with and the menu now? Are there influences from the New York Italian cuisine that are kind of interplaying with the traditional uh, cuisine of Naples? I think that's a really good question. And, and absolutely, those zucchini blossoms, we call them guggenzeal. I, my family is also from Naples, and I grew up eating that. Mm-hmm. And what connected Luca and I initially, we stumbled, as he said, you know, with language and communication, but we didn't really need words. <laughs> we, we had food. <laughs> and, and that's... that's Food. Food. Uh, air quotes. <laughs> We're getting some air quotes from Luca. No, but it's really true. <laughs> and that's why, you know, we had... That's why we named it Passionate. The restaurant's name, the name of the restaurant was because... We are so excited about food, food. <laughs> air quotes, and eating and drinking, and, and it should be a celebration of life. And, you know, the way that I was raised, you know, our food is what we spoke. I'm, I'm second generation, and Luca is from, you know, a, a five-minute car ride from where my grandmother was from, mm-hmm. and that was the connector. Um. And we, you know, we moved to Italy after September 11th, and it's very different Italian American fare as it is in Naples. But there is an underlining basis, and um, I don't know. There's just so much love that goes into that food, and I, I know that it's stereotypical, but every every stereotype is based on truth, and that is the way that Italians express love, and it's. I see it in the dining room. I'm the front of the house. I, I, I wa- It's visceral. I watch it for a living. And the reason I know that we're now successful is there's an energy in this room that wasn't there for the entire three years that we've been here in this location. Um, we had it once, uh, and it was it's magic, and you can feel it. And that's why the people who understand this industry and that are in this business, in the front of the house especially, um, it's so validating um, and I know that, you know, it's not in terms of numbers. Everybody's measure of success is different. But I think that we've connected the dots. I think we were doing our job. If you could travel back in time three years, say, what advice would you give your past selves? Shut it out. You know, be inspired and influenced, but not taken over by everyone else's idea of who you should be. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know who you are. And I think that the biggest drive was always what we had to say on the plate and in the glass. And that stopped being the 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 driving force I feel like we were trying too hard you know and when you try too hard sometimes it doesn't work spontaneous 
it's always the better result. Mm-hmm. It needs to be natural right. and not forced. And right. I think people sense that. Um, and our food was a little esoteric. You know, we are in Charlotte, North Carolina. I think it was a little, honestly, sometimes too elevated and sophisticated and, and intimidating in a way. And that's not, I feel, what food should ever be. It should be beautiful and... and tasty. Tasty. Mm-hmm. tasty. Well... Bravo with that. Um, we have to take a quick break to have a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back in a moment. This episode is brought to you by Springer Mountain Farms, over 300 family farmers raising birds in Georgia's Blue Ridge Mountains. Many of them are second and even third generation. They're committed to doing things the right way. Springer was one of the first poultry companies to forego the use of antibiotics, and they've embraced other humane practices, too. In fact, they were the first poultry company to earn the American Humane Association seal of approval. Learn more at SpringerMountainFarms.com. Welcome back. This is Heritage Radio Network on tour. Thanks again to our sponsor, Springer Mountain Farms Chicken. We are back with Luca and Jessica Annunziata at Luca Modern Italian Kitchen. And Luca, as we get back into the discussion, I want to ask you about You've, you've staged and you've cooked in many countries around the world, and I am dying to know how many languages you speak. Uh, <laughs> five. Uh-huh. And so, they are? Uh, well, Italian, English, German, Spanish, French, and a little bit of um, Filipino. I learned that from uh, when I used to work on a cruise ship. I did a cruise ship. Almost six, six, twelve, almost twenty-two months. Wow! So I just actually counted seven. And earlier, you mentioned Swiss German. Yes, yes. So that I actually have eight by that count. (laughs) But some of them I can just understand. Some of them I cannot Uh write it. Uh, But 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 you can speak. Oh yeah, I can make myself understand. Yeah. That's Polina. incredible. You know, we're Napolitan. We speak with the hands. Uh-huh. Anywhere we go uh. in the world, <laughs> anywhere in the world we go, we always make ourselves understand. I am dying to know what it was like cooking on a cruise ship. Well, the first contract, um, I, was in, I was a chef poissonier. So I was in charge of all fish on board. Um, that was my first contract. What they call you? Uh, smelly fish cook. <laughs> they call me the smelly fish cooked. And, uh, well, nobody wanted to share a cabin with me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that, was, that was a good one because, you know, I mean, uh, dealing with fish all day, cooking it, it I mean, it, it was smelly. And, um, Hence the name. I'm sorry? Hence the name, smelly yes. fish. Yes. <laughs> they used to call me smelly fish cook. And it's true. But uh, it was a... Uh, I had a good time. Um, it was, I would say, maybe one of the most hard jobs I ever had because I did six months on, two months off. But think six months on, no days off, you worked 15 hours a day. And you party all night, and then you went to work the next day for six months. And uh, I saw the world. Uh, I had a blast. I save a lot of money, not tax. 
Um, everything was cheap around the world. Um, you didn't have to keep an apartment. No. No rent. <laughs> no rent, free food. Um, but I really enjoyed it because I really took advantage of every country I went. I always um, went out and tried to eat the, the food and see uh, the history and, you know, learn about the place. But I was really interested about the food. I always did restaurants and eat anything. I never asked what I was eating. I was just eating. You know, when you go to Thailand and Bangkok or Asia, I just ate. I never wow. asked what I was eating because <laughs> I didn't want to know. It was just delicious. Don't don't ask questions, just eat. Just eat. <laughs> <laughs> like what we did tonight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of that, can you tell us um, a few of the highlights of the menu that we ate tonight? Well, I really wanted to bring you back to my memories. Uh, let's start with the gnocchi. That's traditional, you know, with a potato and flour, and then a good tomato, and then house-made mozzarella, and then baked it. Um, we had um, we had a octopus, octopus alla griglia. I mean, like, we eat ton of octopus where I am from. You had the genovese. It's the white bolognese sauce. And we eat Genovese probably two times a week with my mom. You know, of course, I took that to the next level by adding, you know, the rabbit. But traditional Genovese is just with the ground beef, carrots, onion, celery, and then you let it simmer it, and then parsley. And then you put your pasta, and then you put Parmigiano, and then extra virgin olive oil, and then you eat it. So I, I wanted to show you as well um, another dish that really... It takes that to my heart, the mozzarella, the buffalo. I mean, we have, we have mozzarella home. I can eat mozzarella for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> you know, just like that. <laughs> just like French fries, we can eat mozzarella. And he has. <laughs> can I, I, and I will. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that's what we do in Italy. That's a very stable prosciutto, melon, and mozzarella. So that's, some, you know, when you have people coming over or friends, so... That's one of the stable antipasti. Prosciutto, melone, and mozzarella. Everybody does that. And so I grew up with this food, and it's just simple but tasty. And you said the, the tomatoes in the gnocchi were San Marzano? Correct. So some of the ingredients you're getting from Italy. Correct. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about what in the menu is, is local and, and where you're sourcing some of those ingredients from? Absolutely. I mean, like, right now we are about to change the menu again in the next week or so because the peppers are going to be local, the eggplant, tomato that coming in. I mean, like, we still have um, some, um, uh, we have the chicken from Springer Farm, the zucchini blossom from Tiga K. You know, right now my goal is to change the menu and I'm asking farmers to grow my Italian vegetables. So as soon as I get into that routine, we are going to change the menu seasonally with the local, as much as locals as we can. But I understand, you know, we're Italian, so not everything can come locally. So we have to import it, some stuff, like Parmigiano Reggiano has got to be imported. You know, the, the cacio cavallo has got to be imported. The scamorza has got to be imported. You know, there is some ingredients in Italian cuisine that you have to import it. But peppers, eggplant, uh, tomato, onions, potato, we use that locally. 
And believe me, we Italian we eat a lots of tomato, eggplant, and zucchini now we, that we have there locally. You know, the beets, we eat beets in Italy too, and that's locally too. So, uh, you know, right now we're trying to do as much as local, but with Italian cuisine, we can't. And uh, I am hoping that you can tell our listeners the story of the raviolo that we had. Yes, this is actually, that raviolo is, um, is traditionally Italian. It's called a raviolone all'uovo. So it is a raviolo with, um, it's a raviolo with an egg yolk in the middle. So it's kind of hard to explain, but it is a pasta sheet, and then we do, we put ricotta around um, and then we put we drop an egg yolk in the middle, and then we put another pasta sheets on top, and then we form a raviolo. So the goal is that when you cook the raviolo, by a couple of minutes, two three minutes, and then you serve it, that when you break into it, that egg yolk should come out, and that that's your sauce. It was perfect. It was perfect. Thank the God. First time, <laughs> the first time you served that dish was um, to a, a much bigger crowd tell us about what happened there well i that was a mistake but as well it was a winner um i learned that i learned the hard way but i was proud when i saw the result of winning the competition it was competition dining and um that was uh, i think it was my third round and i made it through and i had and what a, was the competition a competition dining it's um um it's all chefs from north carolina competing each other and then you know if you do win and then you then you go up to Raleigh and then you compete with chef from Raleigh and you know and so I did um I did the raviolone because expiring me and say I can do that and and I know it's gonna come delicious because nobody have it did it. Uh it was a great idea but afterwards I was like, oh my God, never again <laughs> because you know, hundred and fifty raviolone, you know, it's hard. It's a very intense to make them. Well, that was a bold choice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, um, I also don't want to forget about the wine that we drank. Um, Jessica, can you tell us a little bit about the, the wine that you helped us pick out? So it's spring, right? And there is absolutely nothing more delicious than bubbles. And there's nothing even better than pink bubbles. Yes. <laughs> so um, that it's uh, NS Vara. It's a non-vintage Vara. La Donna della Neve. And it comes from Piemonte, and it is a second-generation female winemaker, and it is 50% Nebbiolo and Pinot Nero. So, you know, normally with a lot of rosés especially, there's a lot of Sensao. That's the, one of the largest blending grapes in, in France and, and also in Italy. Um, but it's flavorless, and it really tastes like nothing. Uh, and on the Italian side, you know, there's nothing more beautiful, I feel, than the Nebbiolo grape, the iconic, you know, Sangiovese Nebbiolos. Um, so you you have backbone and a tannic structure, but you also get light, delicate, you know, a little bit of strawberry and some watermelon. And it's just beautiful. And it cries for food um, because it holds up in a way that most rosés do not. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have another um, Zaccanini rosé from Montepulciano. It's a Montepulciano di Abruzzo. It's a 100% Montepulciano where I had, you know, the privilege of going to school. I, I had lived there and, 
you know, those wines, especially Vino Nobile, speak to my heart because it's it's exactly what America needs. <laughs> I feel like our palate, you know, we, we have a Coca-Cola palate. So especially in Charlotte, they're looking for something that's terribly over-extracted and fruity and too jammy and, and flabby. And I think that, you know, Italian wines, to their credit is the perfect bridge between old world and new. Okay. So it's got balance and a little bit of earth and terroir, but it's still fruity. Um, and it's got everything that you're looking for. It's nuanced, it's pretty, and it, and it can hold up to, you know, really flavorful dishes. So can you tell I like wine? Yeah, we're right really there with like you. Wine. <laughs> I had no it's idea. A problem. <laughs> I appreciated the, that you also gave us a nod towards the... Um, that rosé bubbly being from a female winemaker in Italy. Well, girl uh, power, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was also just objectively delicious. I don't know. I I just think that, you know, beautiful and unique and sometimes on the Italian side, a little esoteric, they're, they're also intimidating Italian wines. But... I think that if you understand, you know, regionally what you're working with, especially where Luca's from in Campania, and into, you know, Puglia, those are all of the beautifully nuanced and really rich and flavorful wines that I feel do so well in our dining room. Because mainly, you know, the Americans love really big, rich California reds. You know, and on the on the Italian side, we can do very well with that because it's like the grown up version of what that looks like, and it pairs so beautifully with these dishes and this food that you know I get to have a lot of fun introducing people to things that they wouldn't readily see. Yeah, well, that was awesome. I love that we kind of got to walk back through our home home meal again and with you guys. <laughs> I'm like, yes, it was. Now I'm remembering how good it was all over again. So I think we're gonna wrap things up with a couple a few rapid fire questions so i'll ask you a question you just you both just give me your quick answer and then yeah that'll be don't think too hard about it yeah okay they're all very easy okay so what was your last great bite (laughs) (laughs) mozzarella di buffalo yes we have today we had it from this morning it was made so did you tell them about the Siano? Well, the, these people came here four months. They speak like me. They are, they are from the same town. And um, they came and said, I, I want you to try this mozzarella. I was like, okay, let me try. And then I, I didn't stop eating since I met them. <laughs> I love that. So we do make our own mozzarella in-house, mm-hmm. but we cannot make mozzarella di bufala because we do not get buffalo milk Mm -hmm. so these folks actually import the buffalo milk from italy and it's made locally here in charlotte Charlotte. wow so it's 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 homegrown mozzarella like we weep like there's nothing ted really Mm -hmm. it is so delicious it's just a whole nother level yeah so we had mozzarella mozzarella di buffalo what's yours jessica I had it with you. I had it with you. Right, 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 Same right. answer. Because he dropped uh-huh. off this afternoon. And it was made this morning. This morning. Wow. I mean, I, it's just delicious. There's one more little bocconcino on the table. I and I, <laughs> I've been like looking at it. <laughs> it's so full. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, it's going in somebody's pocket or purse tonight for sure. Delicious. 
All right. Next question is, what is in your fridge at home? Um, as of last night, it was romaine, uh, strawberries, eggs, PBR. Yes. Um, and a bottle of Fiano Diabolino. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And there was some uh, leftovers food from the day before. And there was some uh, food for Julian. There was some salmon. Some sliced ham. So you're doing pretty well for yourselves at home. A lot of oui, chefs oui, we talk to oui, are like oui. Red Bull <laughs> and hot sauce. No, there's all the condiments, ketchup. Uh-huh. I love mayo, so there's always mayo in my house. What's your mayo of choice? Uh, Duke. Yes, the one that's Duke's. The, that's the same as Hellman's, right? No, oh. no. Duke's is the king of mayo. Yeah, I'm not that I'm partial or anything, okay. but yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. That's a very well stocked fridge. I'm impressed. And oh. lots of um, fruits. There's berries, lots of berries, because Julian loves berries and strawberries. What is your both of your um, favorite childhood meal? Pizza. My grandmother made lobster fried diavolo. That would make you cry. Wow. Best thing I've ever had. As a kid, I remember eating it as a, you know, and it's a little spicy. She would put a little pepperoncino in it. My favorite meal. Is there anyone in your family who can still make that recipe? Do Me. you make it? Luca. Because wow. the first time that I wanted to... First time that I met Jessica, and she said, "Anya, you need to come in and meet." It's her me- birthday. It's today. her birthday. You need to, you need to meet Nana, Grandma. Today is her birthday. Uh, yes, that's true. Me that's, too. Yeah, Today that's your birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday! I have the same birthday as you now. That's awesome. All right. Her so her grandmother, her name was Filomena, and my mother's name is Filomena. My sister's name is Filomena. And I know it's getting weird, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but so she she told me, she said, we're going to go see Nana. I want you to cook Fra Diavolo for her. So I did it. Is this a trap? It was not the same. <laughs> <laughs> and Luca, what about the, the pizza that you mentioned? What, what kind of pizza? Margarita. That's it. Plain. Yes. Plain. I can eat that every day. And actually the best one the next day in the morning when it's mm. cold. Mm. That's my favorite. What are your feelings about putting an egg on leftover pizza or fresh pizza? Uh, no. Mm. <laughs> I just like my pizza. Other than that, margarita. he'll put an egg on anything. Uh-huh. Yeah. Put yeah, an yeah. egg on it. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> on the pizza? But no, don't touch pizza. my pizza. <laughs> Leave the pizza alone. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, what is, um, Luca, what's the proudest uh, piece of produce in your kitchen right now? I have beautiful cauliflowers and broccoli locally that I bought from a local farm and squash and, and what zucchini are blossoms. I oh, have a ton of it. The zucchini blossoms, yeah. Right. What, what are you using the cauliflower and broccoli in right now? Uh, cauliflower, we do in one of the salads. It's called a carbonara, and I'm doing some roasted cauliflower in it. Nice. And a panzerotti is with caramelized cauliflower. Right. Mm. And then um, last question for you. Um, what is your the go-to family meal for staff here? Last night we did rigatoni 
with uh, we had some uh, some chicken from Springer Farm. We did rigatoni, Springer Farm, and spinach. Yeah. Yeah, that's simple. Mm-hmm. Like one, two, three. So, in other words, staff meal is is very similar to what you're serving guests. Simple, great Italian food. Yes. Yeah. My my, my I mean, my staff love pasta, and then pasta is good. Good protein and good pasta, so they can work harder. <laughs> uh, well, thank you both so much for a delicious meal and for having us here so at Luca. Thank you. It thank was you. An absolute pleasure to meet you, and uh, we really hope that you'll come and see us in Brooklyn and come to our studio. Uh, we will feed you a wonderful margarita pizza no from doubt. Roberta's. Thank you. <laughs> so we hope to see you there. And uh, can you just tell our listeners where to find you on social media or your website? Every, yes, it is at Luca Modern Italian Kitchen on Facebook. Um, Luca Modern Italian Kitch on Twitter and on Instagram. It's Luca underscore Modern Italian Kitchen. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, thank you. That's Jessica and Luca Annunziata. And you have been listening to HRN On Tour in Charlotte, North Carolina. Check out the full series at heritageradionetwork.org, and we'll see you soon.